and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished watching Gundam Build Fighters and decided to reconquer the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. I'm currently reading The Old Gundam in the Sea. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. Today we're going to be watching episode 20 of Reconquista in G, Space Inside a Frame. That is seriously the title of this episode. Arguably, any frame that you have has space inside of it, so... <laughs> yeah. It should be a frame out out there in space or something. I have no space and I must scream. <laughs> Man, say what you will about Harlan Ellison. He knew how to title stories. <laughs> yeah, it occurs to me how close that story is to just being Roku's Basilisk. Yeah, I mean, Ro- let's be honest, Roku's Basilisk is basically that story, right? Yeah, that's fair. Zach is drawing a blank. Despite him being part of our Roku's Basilisk conversation. <laughs> and surely you're familiar with I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. I've never read it. I haven't either. I'm vaguely aware of it, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, I feel like I compartmentalize both of these things pretty nor- by just default normally. So I'm like, where's the key to get that out of the compartment so I know what you're talking about? <laughs> AI bad, maybe? Yeah, it's, it's what if computer evil and torture you for eternity by simulating your mind. Oh, uh, so like 90% of AI stories. I, I feel like 90% are AI send robot back in time to murder you. <laughs> <laughs> the mind torture is more esoteric. That's more of a depressed man's field of fear. I'm actually now wondering how much uh, the Matrix, like the premise of the Matrix was inspired by I Have No Mouth, but... I thought most of the Matrix primary, like... Inspiration was Plato's cave. Well, I mean, like, theologically, but or uh, theologically, philosophically, definitely. But, like, I, I'm wondering how much I n- have no mouth and must scream inspired the premise of keeping robots or robots, humans in perpetual simulation. The Wachowskis have been very open about their influences, and I don't think that's ever come up. That's fair. Like, I feel like Snow Crash was more of a... Mm. And also, you know the thing where they wanted it to be parallel processing, not... Like, the humans power them. But the studio is like, no, nobody will understand what parallel processing is. Oh, I did not hear that. That makes so much more sense. Yes, it does, but... (laughs) Yeah, because that gets around everybody being like, but that is so hideously power inefficient to use humans as batteries. But what if computer evil, Zach? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in in the Matrix 4, it's what if computer neutral, but Neil Patrick Harris evil. (laughs) And also, hmm. He's not? No, I'm just realizing how Modica influenced Matrix 4 is in a way I did not realize before. Uh, anyway, we're watching Reconquista and G this week. If this is your first episode of Reconquista and G, I'd say you pick a wild one to start, but is there a non-wild one to start with? Uh, mm, episode 2, specifically, I think. You might be right. No, because episode 2 ends with the big firefight. But at least starts all right. Like, it escalates to that over the course of the episode. True. Anyway, the megafauna, it's in space. It's got all sorts of people from all sorts of weird cultural backgrounds. Nominally, it's a pirate ship from Ameria. It's one big melting pot. They have hitched a ride on the Crescent Moon ship, which is going from Toasanga, a colony on the moon, to Venus Globe, a colony by Venus, question mark? No, the, the Toasanga is a colony not on the moon, behind the moon. Next to the moon? Yes, remember they're on the Cyrano 5? On the moon's gravitational orbit. <laughs> More on the moon than on Earth. Accurate. I'll give him that. Venus Globe, where they make all of the batteries that provide all of the electricity for Tewasanga and everyone on Earth. 
generously provided by the Hermes Foundation. Yes. On the way, though, they were greeted by the GIT cores, who it turns out are racist against people from Earth, and locked them all in their megafauna, and threatened to kill them if they tried to do anything. Well, I mean, somebody in a Gundam series has to be racist to towards Earthlings, because otherwise, is it really a Gundam series? Or space people. That's to say, usually they're racist towards space noids, but... And then usually the space noids counter racism, and it's bad. They pull the Uno reverse card? Yeah, and that's how you get Uno, and nobody wants that. I was going to say, and that's how you get a colony drop. Well, they fixed that by keeping all the colonies far away from Earth in this. They learned something from Char. Yeah. Anyway, as Bellary says in this last time on, one of my favorite things, then I got knocked out, so I don't know what happened (laughs) after that. (laughs) Yeah, because one of the people they picked up on the moon turned out to be a triple spy and stabbed him with a needle, knocking him unconscious. Do we ever learn what Flaminia's deal is? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Is my answer to that. Like, I know what her deal is, so we must, but I don't know how to answer that question still. Uh, I'm just confused because she was randomly a plant on Toasanga, but also the doctor aboard the Crescent ship, and but also a triple agent, question mark, she for the seems, GIT Corps? She seems to be working for the GIT Corps. Well, she's definitely trying to steal the G-Self this episode. Or the GIT Corps. Well, last yeah. episode she was. Yeah. She was thwarted by the fact that the G-Self it says Bellry and Ida and I guess Raraya only, in big flashing letters when you turn the ignition key. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the GIT cores are led by Roranora Zoro. That's everything, right? Ida's there. She's Belry's sister. They're kind of freaked out about that because Belry wanted to bone her, but then they found out sister. They Rar- seem to be remarkably okay with it now. Uh, Raraya's there. She's from the moon. She had th- she had space amnesia for a while, but then she got better. She got a fish and she got better. Naredo's there. Don't forget about Ringo. Ringo Star is there. Manny is there. She is... Should be a prisoner of war, but nobody respects her enough to lock her in the brig. So she just gets to hang out. There's Lieutenant Curbs. He's also there. Him and Ringo both have a crush on Raya, apparently. And what's the captain of the full of the Crescent ship's name? Something Kind. Yeah, I it's think Captain it's, just, kind. it's Captain Kind. They gave him a first name. I just, it's L Kind, I think. Yes, but Kind was what I was looking for. He's El Capitan Kind. Kind of. Anyway, we're watching episode 20 of Rikyungi Sinji, Space Inside a Frame. You can too if you have any space. I guess if you have a frame, you need a frame. You do. I, get, I do love in the, uh, how the previously on literally stops when Bellary got knocked out. Yep. It's actually kind of a nice touch. Like, it just further proves that these are not for the benefit of the audience in so much as catching them up on what has got on as they are little times they take to tell you what's going on in Bellary's head during the previous events. And he's like, that was weird, that was weird, then I got knocked the fuck out, so. (laughs) I don't know, I guess they gathered us all up in bed. We start with the G-Self being lowered by one of the giant mobile armors whose name I looked up before recording this, so I would remember it. The Grod! I was gonna say, it's the Grod. I remember because of gorillas. Anyway, the Grod is a big mobile armor. Imagine a big mobile armor, you got it. (laughs) Check funnels, you got it. We cut to the megafauna where Belry is up. And the seamstress is fixing his spacesuit. And Raya's like, hey, I think we got to do something. Luckily, we're no longer being monitored, I guess. Well, they did just kind of leave. Well, they got, they seem to have gotten what they wanted. Also, I do like that uh, Laruka. No, that's not Laruka. I forget that guy's name. Other guy. He's the one I used to know, but M- I don't M- know. Majori or something. Uh, anyway, he's like, 
we got the sweet map, and we know it's real because Flaminia gasped at it. <laughs> anyway, they're like, oh man, it looks like they built an ocean in this colony? That's weird. They obviously they needed need- to test machines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess in a way you could use it to test around, like, how would it behave in space, but you have all that space right outside. Yeah, I was gonna say, you could just be building it to ha- it's a weird conclusion to jump to. What if they just want an ecosystem in space? Come on, guys. I think it's because they're like, oh, the GIT core is right next to it, so they must need it for that purpose. That's fair. Why else would you build a lab by the sea? Because it's getting lonely by the sea? No, that's nothing. Uh, Anyway, the Rosario 10 police are coming to stop the GIT core, because if there's one thing this series needed, it was more factions. (laughs) So they are the enforcers for the Rosario 10, who are the ruling council-ish of Venus Globe? Yeah, that sounds right. I think um, that's right. And you ha- see, you had to intuit all that, but you could do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's Lao Gu is the president? Yes. Awesome. Got it. Although I don't think we see him this episode. We do not. No. The GIT's mobile, or the Rosario 10's mobile suits are lame. Uh, what are they called? The Perigliots or something like that? I think they're not polygots and they're not piglets. But if they, those two things did the fusion dance, that would be what these are called. <laughs> So they're they're basically on board the megafauna making a plan of how exactly are we going to use the fact that they won't shoot at their own side to get to talk to the Rosario 10. Like, yeah, if we leave now and go straight there, they will not be able to shoot us with beams. So let's do it. And Bellary's like, let's go straight for their lab, though. And Rariah's like, it must be a research facility on account of its name. <laughs> and Curb seems weirdly uh, enthusiastic about how there won't be any resistance if it's not a military <laughs> installation. Guys, it's my turn to do a war crime. <laughs> and Raya's like, yeah, these people expect enemies to show up even less than Toisanga. As everyone dramatically zips up their flight suits. <laughs> Danielle doesn't know what's going on because he has Alzheimer's. And Bellary says that off screen, they the GIT cores threaten to make them all Kuntala. And Ida has maybe the most understated reaction to of this. The idea of being turned into rations for them repulses me. <laughs> no indignation. She's just like, ew. <laughs> I don't want to be your dinner. Polygate is the name of the Rosario 10 suit. So anyway, Zoro's like, we have to study the G-Self at least enough to figure out how it sped up the Crescent ship. So we can apply that technology ourselves. Apparently, it cut its travel time by somewhere between 10 and 20%. Which is what we we learned that it increased its efficiency. We did not ever learn what its efficiency increase meant until just now. Which is fine. Like, we don't yeah. need a, an actual detailed example. I was going to say, maybe it's just better about using fuel. The GIT core is like, first, though, we need to fuck up the Rosario 10. So let's go do that. So Bellary and Ida have a conversation... Like, Belrys tells her to go straight after the Rosario 10 while he goes and fucks up the GIT team. It's like, yeah, I'll go be a new type badass combat person. You go roll diplomacy at them. And she's like, hey, did you, you don't still have an air leak, do you? He's like, nah, I, I got my equipment fixed. I won't be killed by needle leak. So Ida and Belry start flirting and Naredo is like, ignore it. <laughs> and so Belry's taking the arcane and uh, Ida is going to take a grimoire. Because she recognizes she's not a pilot anymore. She's just a diplomat. And, and so, then Ringo calls over Rariah and Ringo. You mean Curbs. Curbs. Yeah, Cur- Curbs calls them over so they to can do, do the, the war cry of the Capitol Guard. Which By which we mean the cheerleading. Which is really strange considering we three seen of these since people. Episode one. Well, that and three of these people were explicitly against the Capitol Guard. 
in part because they wanted to take their cool cheer technology for themselves <laughs> to increase their morale. We see this all through the lens of Naredo aiming her slingshot at them for some reason. I do like the man. He's like, wow, the rubber on that slingshot sure is great. I'm like, yep, it's rubber that works in space. Ooh. Manny is helping out. That's her job. And apparently it's a lot worse uh, based on her reaction than being in the Capitol Army was. I assume just because the Capitol Army had like 70 faceless dudes doing the work with her. That's fair. Uh, Naredo goes up to Bellary to flirt with him since Ida got to. And Bellary is like, you hide somewhere safe. I guess as safe as you can possibly be on board the warship going into a battle. Manny helmets Naredo in a very <laughs> cute scene where she's like, God, why are you people always taking off your helmets? It's freaky. And, and you need to zip up your spacesuit when living in space. And then Ringo, for some reason, has an expository dialogue about how Naredo has apparently started taking online college courses from the <laughs> megafauna while they are slowly traveling in political science and history. She wants to make sure this never happens again so she can properly hit on her crush. Well, the nurse did tell her nursing sucks going to politics. We see the the GIT team is telling uh, the captain and the executive officer of the Crescent Moon ship that their rad new headgear <laughs> is actually bombs, and they have put a camera there to observe them. I, these do not look like Gundam bombs. These look straight up like G.I. Joe. We're not allowed to draw real bombs. They're like, like Looney Tunes bomb hats. No, even Looney Tunes would have been like, looked more like bombs. These are early 90s, late 80s. We're not allowed. These are detonators, not bombs. Important difference. I do love the Wait, little camera it... that they've stuck to the window that he points at. Like, <laughs> see, we're watching you. Isn't there a, a DC villain that kind of has this kind of headgear? Probably. Several. One doesn't come to mind. I feel like the Riddler put head traps on people in one of the Arkham games. No, you just feel like that because Saw was coming out at the same time and everyone was like, man, why isn't the Riddler just Saw? But it never happened until That's the fair. Batman. And now I must deal with this. <laughs> we cut to Flaminia, who is trying to make the G-Self work. Along with Earth her, like, Yam from the previous episode. Is it Yam? Yan. Yan, not Yam. Not Yam. He's not a sweetie potato. So Roranora Zoro, whose real name I can't remember, so he's just going to be Zoro for a bit. Is he the same voice actor? Yes. Yeah. Is like, um, we just had a slight weapons malfunction. Nothing serious. We've got to just take the Crescent ship up to our lab, you see. We'll fix it up there and then send it back here. And the Rosario Ted are like, okay, we have like some follow-up questions. <laughs> And immediately, one of the GIT Corps goes in and starts attacking. <laughs> Straight up JoJo punching him. Ara, ara, ara. And the Grod is not allowed to point beams at the colony, but luckily it has funnels, so it can send them the other way and shoot beams away from them. But then the Rosario 10 police start shooting anyway, and Zoro is despondent at are, this. Do they really hate us that much? Yes, because shooting at somebody is going to make them be like, yeah, I'm just going to stand here and watch. Cut back to the megaphone where we get some excellent English from Steer. Uh, I'll turn to that this episode. It's not English. Like, it's actually English. Well, that's fair. I feel like she still says it with a Japanese accent, though. So Captain Kind is like, there are no true villains. Hopefully they don't explode these weird bomb hats we have. They're so dumb looking. <laughs> Ringo tries to stop Raya from going out, and she's like, hey, stop mobile sleut-splaining me. I'm way better at this than you are, Ringo. But uh, Bellary and Raya both get to the G-Self. And are like, we're taking this. I love how Bellary just knocks 
Flaminia away, and this is probably my favorite part By of the episode. Her. <laughs> he then grabs the G-Self and shakes the other guy out of the cockpit like he's trying to get some dirt out of his shoe. Yeah, I, I love how Yonso's like, oh man, I moved. Oh wait, this was not me moving it. <laughs> Mariah just gives him a thumbs up. You you shook that guy out into the vacuum of space. Good job. And then Raya and Belry leave and uh, presumably forget about the two people they left drifting helplessly in space. I mean, they do. Naredo and Manny have to clean up after them later. I mean, Flaminia tried to steal his mobile suit and stabbed him with a needle full of who knows what. I would also not, don't know if I would care about her well-being at that point. <laughs> I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying it's funny that Manny and Naredo come in behind him and be like, I'm going to clean up this mess. Is it a war crime to strand somebody in space and should it be? Uh, well, they're not at war. Uh, that's just a regular crime, I think. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything that would be close. I don't think it's a war crime. Actually, I it was a war crime to tor- to uh, torpedo like civilian or um, cargo ships and not render assistance. No, I'm just but th- the because the Germans could say they did it too, which was a viable defense for war crimes. Is if you could prove that the other side did it too, <laughs> uh, they uh, got away with that one because they could prove that the Americans and British did it too. I was going to say fair, but I think everyone is just a war criminal then. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think too... An eye for an eye makes everyone a criminal. Yeah, exactly. An uh, eye criminal, if you will. Well, it's funny because the reason why they got the order to no subs render assistance to any torpedo ships was because a German submarine actually did render assistance to a ship they sank. And as they were towing the lifeboats and had a bunch of the civilians on board the ship, they were bombed by an American B-17. Ah. <laughs> Or was it a B twenty four? It was a bit, it was an American bomber bombed the submarine um, that was towing lifeboats. I just feel like I need a sad trumpet noise for that. Um, dun, dun, da, da, dun. Exactly. No, my argument. That's our good soundboard. <laughs> it's got that and everything Steer has ever said on it. <laughs> um, critical point. Um, Main nozzle fire. My argument was going to be that if you take if you're on a boat in space and you throw someone out of their boat and then just in space um out <laughs> on the ocean um and you just throw someone off of their boat and then leave them to drown i that's manslaughter at the very least right <laughs> i mean but if they're an enemy it's just a fish it's just uh saving bullets right <laughs> that's just a melee kill <laughs> <laughs> and it also in this particular case it, it does kind of render an interesting question because Depending on their relationship with the Rosario 10, is she a terrorist, technically speaking? She seems like a non-combatant. On the other hand, Jan was in a mobile suit. He was trying to hotwire it. So Manny and Naredo get on the bridge of the Megafada, and they're like, I guess we have to save those two people Bell sent floating in space. I'm not sure how they do it, but they do. Computers. Computers is how they do it which causes the Crescent ship to see them and grab them with its little crab claw. But the guy who Raya punked catches up to Zoro and is like, ah, uh, they got their G-self back. Sorry, boss. And he tells, the, the commander tells his armless subordinate, go back to the Crescent ship, I'll think of something. Meanwhile, funnels are ripping through the Rosario 10 guys. I like their weird, like, semicircle shields. Yeah, they're, they're almost like capes or something. That the Polygets got? Yeah. So the GIT Corps guy in the melee suit tells Kunsun, the pilot of the Grod, hey, let me melee these guys so we don't shoot our base. I have a cool melee suit 
with wires connected to my beam sabers, which you know makes them extra good. The Epion had those. <laughs> and uh, so Bellary has a little bit of a, a moment when he's getting ready to jump from the G-Arcane to the G-Self. Well, gravity and physics are about to be a major menace for him. <laughs> First, however, we get an eye catch. It's me, a major menace, your elf inside the self. That's right, the Yuletide spirit has gripped my soul and yanked it bodily from me, leaving only a hollow elf self remaining. The dark energies emanating from the void where my soul was are now coming to you in audio format. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode 20 of Gundam Reckon Gisa and G, the one where they're in Venus Globe, almost. There's an ocean in space, and it's pretty cool. This is a spot where I plug our Patreon.com slash last podcasts, uh, where for $5 a month you can support us making this show and get access to all of our episodes early in addition to bonus content. As I mentioned previously, we watched the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot this week for no good reason, and there's one scene in particular near the end uh, where the main character is just having a slumber party with all the dead child robots, and I can't get that out of my head. So if you want to hear us talk about that, uh, that's happening over there on our Patreon. Um, on our not-Patreon, you can join our Discord and hang out with folks and talk about cool nerd stuff. I feel like it's been chattier than normal recently, so if you've been wondering whether or not you should join, if there are folks to talk at... Uh, now's a good time, I think. Um, everyone seems to be stir-crazy now that it's December, um, as is my recently elf-hollowed soul. Yeah, anyway, that's all I got. Let's go watch a guy commit the greatest sin known to his civilization. Cut back for the eye catch, and the GIT Corps is just fighting the Rosario 10 police. And Kunsun in her grod, the giant mobile armor, is like, I'll go fuck up the G-Self and get it back. While Bellary is like, I have a jetpack. Oh, yeah, I can probably get in the G-Self. And he grabs on the, like, wire in front of the G-Self that is weirdly useful. I don't know why mo mobile suits don't have this wire, in hindsight. I like how he bounced around when he got a, actually got into the cockpit. Uh, I call that a pinbell. Uh, Raraya tries to ask why Bellary is apologizing to an inanimate object when he does so, but before she can get an answer, she is slammed by Gorilla Grodd. She does take out one of its funnels, though. Again, Raraya being a pretty good pilot this episode. This causes Kunsun to Salt. throw a hissy fit. Yeah, to be fair, she did kind of have Raraya dead to rights and just didn't pull the trigger for some reason. So Raraya's like, okay, I'll take the empty G-Arcane. Bellary, you defeat all of the named characters real quick. I Well, she does take the G-Arcane back to Ida. I mean, because we know we need to put a uh, extremely experienced and qualified pilot in the G-Arcane for reasons. Raraya should have just taken it and let <laughs> Ida have the Nuedo. Anyway, Kunsun starts crying, I guess because she's a woman who knows Roranora Zoro, and that tends to happen to them. <laughs> Well, he seems to do that a lot with the female characters in this series. Raya never cries. I don't think Dorado ever cries. I guess I all the pilots, well, except for Raya, have at least once. I was going to say, I guess Manny did when she couldn't find Lewin in all the stars. Barara did. <laughs> Forgot about Barara. <laughs> Klimnik, or Mick Jack. You know Mick Jack has never and will never cry. <laughs> I'm not sure Mick Jack has tear ducts. <laughs> She does this bullet casing come out of them. <laughs> Her eyes start spinning. And yeah. Just... 
So Bellary figures out or figures that it's a taboo for them to shoot near the building as Ida boards the GR cane. Good thing she was in that grimoire and did so much in it. Yeah, wasn't she supposed to be on her way to do some diplomacy? I think the whole ship is. Okay. And she's just on it. So the megafauna starts realizing what the GIT core is up to, and they're like, huh, weird the Crescent ship didn't tell us. Oh, well. Uh, Manny comes in and is like, here, have some air and water bottles and snacks. Yeah, <laughs> I got you this candy. Naredo made Jolly Ranchers, so here you go. Ida is like, hey, make sure you don't hit the batteries. Meanwhile, Curbs and Ringo are like, we're going to stand way too close to Rariah to protect her. Rariah's like, have like, you not heard of AOE weapons? I, I do love that. You, you know, they'll take us all out like this. And Rariah's like, you two are fucking stupid. Yeah, Curbs and Ringo are like, threesome? Threesome? <laughs> and Rariah's maybe with Belle and Naredo, not with the two of you. <laughs> yeah, her, her response is to them like, Trying to be all gentlemanly and white knighting is you call yourself soldiers? Go stand over there. Uh, Cut to Naredo <laughs> hearing Danielle and the rest of the bridge of the megafauna ye- yelling fish in unison because Zoro has offered them fish in exchange for their surrender. <laughs> we'll let you eat fish if you surrender immediately. You know, to him they're a delicacy because they're way the hell out in space. Uh, meanwhile, all these people are from Earth, more or less. So, meh. I was really hoping, okay, so we see uh, some new equipment being dropped off for Zoro's mobile suit, and I was really hoping these things were like uh, new Gundam-type funnels. Instead, they are awkward crab finger lasers. <laughs> they, they're like, ah, oh, the Bifrod, we didn't quite make it, but we, we'll try that again. Because they are like almost Freedom Gundam-esque wings, mm-hmm. but they just have beam sabers instead of thrusters. Crab people. I do like the way the mobile suit looks with the equipment on, though. It does look pretty good, actually. Um, it makes it look a lot more Gundam-y to me. Yeah, it looks like the Freedom in particular to me. Zoro gives a rousing speech about how everybody in Rosario 10 is a peace-loving pacifist and they need to fight for what they want. And then he proceeds to threaten genocide against all the people living on Earth. You know, normal stuff. He's been reading a lot of Char he's and just, Marie he, Antoinette. He, he's just delousing the planet. That's all. Bellary asks for a status report for the Megafada, and they are incredibly unhelpful to him. And then he sees explosions. He's like, well, that looks like something I should deal with, I guess. Because the GIT's melee mobile suit is fucking up more of the Rosario 10 mobile suits. And so is the Grodd. We do get to, for some reason, get two, like, stop panels as the melee suit cuts through one of the Pilligates. I've already forgotten their names. (laughs) <laughs> I like Bellry's response to seeing Zoro show up. Is the GIT's boss man? Does he have extra swords because he's voiced by Roranor or Zoro? I don't <laughs> think so, but even Zoro would be like, oh, that's too many swords, man. The Gaon. The Gaon is Zoro's mobile suit. Bellry engages him and manages to punch a couple of holes in the Gaon's armor. He, like, shoots out three of the crab beam sabers and... Zoro's like, oh man, this mobile suit does rule. We have to seize it. The G-Self rules, and I don't know why. Uh, Commander Kia, that's what it is named. Kunsun tells us. As the rest of the GIT cores show up to help fight Bellary, the Saber one even cuts his shield in half. Um, and he goes the rest of the fight with half a shield, although it turns out that doesn't matter because he has bullshit deflector powers. So, Well, we already knew that. Bellary is a new type, a.k.a. a space wizard. Rariah just thinks she is with her hand signs. Apparently, the Crescent Ship's XO during this whole period of time fell asleep. From the stress. She's an narcoleptic, Zach. <laughs> uh, but then Yan and Flaminia come onto the bridge of the Crescent Ship and are like, 
hey, uh, what's going on? And some dude, some officer guy um, is like, I'm not sure I can tell you what the hell is going on because of the bomb hats. I mean, the nothing. Oh, no, they exploded. <laughs> uh, well, Zoro's a bit busy to monitor right now. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so Bellary's like, doesn't matter that you cut my shield in half. I have force field magic. And uh, Commander Kia's like, huh, well, we can analyze its arms and legs with just the pictures. But uh, all I need is its torso. So and I'm going to do that. He goes through a surprisingly elaborate imagination scene of him cutting off the limbs from the G-Self. The legs are just decoration. The legs absolutely are, actually. <laughs> Definitely not required for movement. I mean, in space combat, yes, they are. That's the whole point of the Ziong. It has no legs. Uh, we get to see the Beam Vulcans actually do something again. The Beam Vulcans seem like a really good idea, actually. I mean, they're just more effective Vulcans, right? Yep. And so Bellary ducks into, I guess this is called the Sea Desk. Right below the Venus Globe. Where so they're they not supposed to be able to shoot beams. Uh, and Zora and Commander Kia, I'm sorry, Roranoro Kia immediately starts shooting beams at him. Um, and Bellary is like, man, this guy really doesn't give a shit right now. He's not even following, or he's not even thinking of the consequences. The Megafauna decides to also head under the sea desk in order to avoid beam fire. Yeah, firing is strictly prohibited underneath here, so... And apparently someone in the Rosario 10 told them to go here. But yeah, so Bellary is... Just dodging. And he gets all the way up to the top. Of, like, the sea desk in the bottom of the ocean? Of the bottom of the colony, specifically. So, the Gaon starts cutting into the bottom, and Kia is immediately like, Oh no! What have I done? <laughs> I'm As an idiot! Millions of gallons of water come fl- flushing out of the ocean onto the Gaon, which is the- this is the worst thing anyone could do. No, I, I assume he just had a moment of panic, um, because this is- more taboo, I think, for them than almost anything the Earthnoids have to can, deal with. Can you imagine being the person who did this? Like, can you imagine how I you know. would feel? <laughs> I kind of love how he was portrayed like that. So he starts flying up through the escaping water into the colony, and Bellry chases him, and is like, holy shit, there's just a sea out here. In What the fuck? This would also be so disorienting. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and especially because when you look down, there's the big... A hole in the floor that all the water is flowing out of. And when he looks up, there are migratory birds. And there's like some land vaguely in the distance. Especially as you're thinking, oh man, this is a big deal. Where's what's going on? I don't know that I've ever seen this in a sci-fi thing before, right? Like we've definitely seen colony collapses in It's a Gundam before, but from this reverse angle of like shooting your way in and it's like a whole planet, it would be so wild. Yeah, like as it's just a... Like it's like I'm I'm back on Earth. Wait, I'm I came from the entire other side of the place. That's not supposed to. This isn't supposed to be this big ass ocean in here. Well, it's also so wildly beyond the scope of technology that anyone on Earth is familiar with right now. Like everyone was like mildly impressed by Toa Sanga. Imagine this completely artificial structure with a goddamn ocean in it. Yeah. So good job, Bell. He's had an exciting week. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like this one. It's sort of all fight. I do really like the ending of it, though, for all the reasons we just talked about. The Ida stuff is kind of weak because she's not there. She's just in a grimoire somewhere, not doing anything. And then she's in the GRK, not doing anything. But Raraya gets to show off, and that's cool. I kind of like the designs that the GIT Cores mobile suits have. 
they're like druggy roles, but they don't feel like the druggies, and I kind of like that about them. Um, I was gonna say also a surprising amount of Naredo this episode, and like she's my favorite side side character right now. Like there's the main characters, and then the like secondary characters, and Naredo's like a side character these days. Yeah, that seems accurate. And then below them is the captains of all the ships. <laughs> Do you have a high point, Tyler? I think I have to go with the easy one. Uh, specifically, it's Bellary Burson in the colony and just realizing the scope of what's been built out here. Um, it's really cool. I like it. What about you, Zach? I think my high point for this one might be when they take back the GRKane and Bellary is like, <laughs> they shake goodbye and shake the uh, and shake Jan out of the G-cell. Uh, that scene made me laugh. I think I'm going to go very similar to Tyler's, but the reaction to Kia opening up the colony and the water spraying out and him being like, oh, oh, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what he was expecting to happen, but he at least had an appropriate reaction to it. Most criminals don't expect to get caught or have consequences for their actions, right? Like, if you're firing in that scenario, you're thinking, oh, it'll be fine. He did not. He it did was not. not. <laughs> he didn't even shoot it. He went up with a melee weapon. <laughs> And he thought he just had it turned on, and he just clawed his way in. Yeah, he wolverined his way into the ocean. <laughs> Do you have a low point, Tyler? I think it's actually going to be the, and maybe we'll get some resolution to it next episode, but like the lack of any consequences to the bomb hats. It's a, They have a payoff that I fucking love. Okay. Um, I was going to say, there was a lot of to-do about it this episode, and the only thing that came of it is, oh, the Crescent ship sure is being weirdly quiet. Zach? My low point is probably got to be Ida here, because it's like, hey, Ida's in a grimoire. Okay, that's a nice, nice setup that she's off doing something again, and then, wait, no, she's she's just standing on the megafauna, and now she's in the G-Arcane and just kind of standing on the megafauna. She shows up to shoot at uh, the sword guy, like, twice, and then immediately is like, well, guess I'm going back to the megafauna. Yep. I'm really sad that her shots didn't even create an opening for Bell or something. Like, No, they're just blocked, like and it's have. just kind of, eh. Yep. Zach kind of took mine, so I'm going to go with Kusun just randomly crying for no reason. I So my fridge logic explanation for that is that she's upset that she didn't take the shot at Raraya when she had the chance. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what's going on, but is that cry-worthy? Um, some people, when they get frustrated, just cry. Like, Okay. It, it's a human response. I say as though I am not a human or something. I just get defensive, so. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an MVP, Tyler? It might actually be kia um he does a lot of stuff he has a really good shocked reaction he's a crazed maniac um and i don't think we're really gonna see much of him after this so zach zoro <laughs> two for kia okay i'm surprised uh, i'm I mean, a little bit too one... but i also considered him pretty heavily i mean he's the one that's driving all of the action here and like you said he's got the really great reaction when he accidentally opens up the the ocean it's really his episode, right? He's driving everything. He's in control until the end when he's not. And even then, it's about his reaction to losing control, right? Yep. But I'm going to go with Araya. She, she helps uh, Bellary punk a dude. She blows up a grod funnel. She tells Curbs and Ringo off. Good for her. Good Araya. Uh, um, at least we have one competent female pilot. We Two if you count Mick Jack, but she's, oh, yeah. she's elsewhere. Barara is mostly competent. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Um, it's really just Ida, which makes it, to me, even worse. Especially considering she's supposed to have had experience in this. Yeah. We're, we're kind of told that Ida is supposed to be good at this, but we're never shown her being good at it. This is kind of the biggest showcase for the Neodu. 
So I think we should go ahead and add that to the list if you guys yeah, sure. don't object. So it definitely looks like a Toa Songin mobile suit, but... I mean, it's okay. But it's not as like bug-like as those ones are. I don't really like it as much. How do we think it compares to the Zax? I do like the like quad wing thing it has going on in the back. I think I, per- I think I personally prefer the Neodu to the Zax. Um, I prefer Zax. I do as well, mostly for the claw feet. The Zax looks better to me. How do we think it compares to the Elmorin? Um, this is a l- pretty close for me. I think I still prefer the Elmorin just because it's a little bit less like round. I prefer um, the Neodu. That's fair. The Neodu definitely has a better paint scheme. I think. Yeah, I also think I prefer the Neodu. I, there's something I don't like about the Neodu's paint scheme that I can't put my finger on. Is it not enough contrast? I think that might be it. Uh, how do we think it compares to the Mac knife? I definitely, personally, do not like it as much as the Mac knife. Um, I, I think I'm probably the biggest fan of the Mac knife on this show. So I um, do not <laughs> like the Mac knife. <laughs> that you know, I understand where you're coming from, but also dance missiles, Zach. <laughs> so you're saying below? Yeah, definitely Mac knife above. Okay, so the Neoto gives it number seventy six above the Almoran and below the Mac knife. I think that'll do it for this episode. Anything else we want to say? Uh, no. Uh, I enjoyed this episode pretty well. Like, I, I've actually enjoyed the last run since, like, 14. Um, I mean, they've gotten better. It seems like they've gotten themselves out of the straight up, we have to have some kind of setup, and then, oh no, bombs explode. You know, the GM realizes players are getting bored. Action's gotta happen. I, I do want to emphasize that better is not, still does not necessarily equate to good all the time. Um, but it is a lot more watchable than it was early on, so. All right. Join us next week when we will watch episode 21 of Reconquista in G, The Weight of the Sea. Tell a friend about our podcast and then rate us five stars on iTunes.